This morning we're going to read uh, three scriptures today, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a Gospel reading uh, as, as we uh, enter into a series called Cultivate. Um, this year our annual theme is, is rooted and in, in, in focusing in on what it means for us to be, to, to be rooted in Christ, uh, that, that through faith we are rooted in Christ to make an impact in the world, and, and it's a, an appropriate theme for us uh, as covenant to be focused in on because we're planting roots in the community, setting down permanent roots uh, as we open up uh, the facility, but also in this series as we lead up towards that season of moving in, we want to be sure that we're focusing our attention on, on how we have been rooted, uh, what has given us roots over the course of of these seven years leading us to this space, to this time. And, and, and in that vein, what are our core values? What are the things that hold us together and guide us? How have we been cultivated for the work of the Lord? And so uh, the scriptures today all focus on uh, the same theme, the theme of neighboring, uh, which uh, we hold uh, fast to as one of our uh, core values here at Covenant, the, the value of neighboring. Now we're going to read from Isaiah 58, then we're going to flip over to Hebrews 13, and then we're going to come back to Luke 10, Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, and then the Gospel reading. Hebrews 58, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. We'll begin in verse 6 of uh, chapter 58. If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together uh, hear the word of the Lord uh, from Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 12. And the Lord says through the prophet, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing finger, the speaking of evil, if you, uh, if you offer your food to the hungry, satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the, fo the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. This is God's word. And as we turn together, we'll uh, continue reading from God's word in Hebrews chapter 13, the final chapter of Hebrews. Just two verses there, verses 1 and 2. Continuing on this theme of neighboring, we hear the word speak to us. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. And then coming to us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25 and reading just to 
the turn of the story of the Good Samaritan, verse 29. Here again, the word of the Lord. Just then a teacher of the law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. And he said to Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written, uh, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And so the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks, Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do come before you in this space and this time, thankful for your holy word, for all the wisdom contained therein. And now we dedicate ourselves to the work that is before us, the work of, uh, of, of growing in wisdom and knowledge as revealed in your word. Lord, help us to be rooted in it deeply, that it might be beloved to us, and we might treasure it, treasure your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and your ultimate will, open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, sometimes I feel as a parent that my role as a parent is defined most effectively as finding the then that will motivate the if. Let's see if this makes sense to you. Finding the then that will motivate the if. If you do this, then you will get that. Or if you don't do this, then you will get that. You know what I'm saying? It's an if-then statement. And so we as parents, we work this through. So Sam is my kindergartner. If you haven't met Sam, Sam is... Well, Sam, and he is full of life and full of energy, and, and he leaves it all on the field uh, of life. Uh, he's in kindergarten, and, and kindergarten is hard. It, it, is, it is intensely hard, most particularly for Sam, because this is the year that he lost nap time. Can you attest to that? Amen. So the year when you lose nap time is hard because school goes until 3.40. He gets off the bus at 4.05. He used to get nap at like 1.30 or 2. And so now life is tough. He gets off the bus. He's all hyped. He's just full of adrenaline, full of energy, gets in the house, crashes. Like, where's my iPad? Where's my snack? sits with it and will literally fall asleep on his iPad because he's my third kid. So we do that. We, we, like, <laughs> kid one and two, never. Kid three, iPad, sleep. Uh, so, so, so here's the deal. So this is the first week back to school, back to kindergarten after a long, super long, crazy long Christmas break. And so he's, he, over Christmas break, guess what he did again? He napped. And so he got back in that routine. And so Wednesday, hard. Thursday, hard. Friday, here's what happened. He literally didn't even make it to his iPad. He just went straight to his bed on his own without even being asked. Went in the house, went to his bed, went to sleep. So there's a problem. Sam began basketball this Friday. 
Now, uh, Sam being the third kid has been neglected in these uh, in, in, in team sports. You know, he's been hauled around to big brother, big sister stuff. But we, Lauren and I said, we got to suck it up. We have to make it happen. Schedule, figure it out. We got to do it. We got to do team sports. And so we've been pumping it up. Man, you know, you've been watching Bubba. You've been watching Sister and their teams. Now you're going to be on your team. And he's like, I'm going to be on the team. And he's so excited about being on the team. And then, and, and, and he started really, really, really figuring out, like he knows how much I love sports. And so uh, here's, here's his new thing. He says, Daddy, I love you. I love God. I love our family. I love the Astros. I love the Rockets. I love the Cowboys. Uh, like, like as though these things uh, help to draw affection for me, which... <laughs> and so, and so, um, so here's the deal. On Friday, uh, he has his very first basketball practice at six o'clock. He came in four o five, got off the bus, boom, asleep, super out, cold. Five fifteen, wake him up, get him dressed. He's really not awake. We're dressing a zombie, like like we're like he's like and and still getting him dressed, get him in the car, falls asleep on the way there. Still asleep. And so we get out of the car, and we're like, dude, you got to wake up. You've been looking forward to basketball. You love basketball. You want to be a part of the team. Now is your chance to be on the part of the team. And, and we get in there, and he won't do it. He won't go with his team. He won't, like, he won't do any of it. And it's like, all right, Sam. So we start trying to find the if, the then, excuse me, that will drive the if. We're trying to find the thing, the carrot, that will get him to go out and be a part of the team. And, you know, it's upward basketball, first practice. Like, they're like, you know, like that. That's, like, it's super easy. It's not a big deal, right? But we want him to be a part of the team. And so the, the, the very first thing is we, we talk about fulfillment. Like, like, hey, you've wanted this, and, and, and now it's your chance to have it. You've watched it, and you've talked about it, and, 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 and now it's your chance to have it. You, you, you've said, I can't wait to be a part of the team. And so now, it, it, look, there's your team. It's really, it's right there. Just go get it. Doesn't want it. And then we talk about fun. Wow, look how much fun they're having. You know, if you would go out there and be with them, then you would have fun and, and, and let fun be the driving factor. Man, do, doesn't that look awesome? No dice. Fun doesn't do it. Fulfillment doesn't do it. Fun doesn't do it. And then he is a Burnham. So we try the next thing, and it's competition. All right? They're, they're, doing, they're doing sprint drills back and forth. And we're like, look at those kids. They think that, they, they think that they're fast. Do you think that they're fast? I bet you're faster. Do you think that you're faster? How about you go show me that you're faster? You tell me you're the fastest kid in school. How about you go prove it to me? I don't get to see you at school. And so we're like challenging him, like trying to totally amp it up. Does it work? No. <laughs> Not at all. Fulfillment doesn't work. Fun doesn't work. And, 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 it, and competition doesn't work. And so then mom and daddy starting to feel a little bit embarrassed, you know, how are we raising a kid that won't even go practice with his team? And so we start devolving into our worst selves, and we're like, you're going gonna to get grounded. Here's the deal. <laughs> hey, look, if you don't go out there with your team, then you ain't going to have no iPad this weekend. You're not going to have your Nintendo Switch this weekend. We're going to take away all electronics. No Pokemon on the TV, none of it. And you can see his, his processing start to crank. And he's like, well, they haven't taken away, like, my crayons yet. 
And, and, and so even after grounding, he's like, no, I'm not going. Well, Lauren and I remembered that, that we were heading after his practice to, to Addy, to watch Addy at the varsity basketball game over at Tomball. Addy's a cheerleader there. And so, uh, and they have, they have Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. Like the chocolate chip ones, like you walk in the building of the high school and it just smells like eating. It is, it's, it's like motivation like you wouldn't believe. And so we, we look at Sam and say, if you don't go play with your team, then I'm going to buy cookies and eat them in front of you. <laughs> and you will get none. And out of everything that we had tried, that's the one that worked. Seriously. He, his eyes was like, no. Go, then go with your team. If you want the cookie, go. And, and sure enough, he walked out there and reluctantly started dribbling and started shooting. And he played with his team. And he was still half asleep and did uh, horribly. Uh, you know, but. He got his cookies. You know what? Even I'm, I wasn't going to tell this part, but I, uh, he even got double cookies because they give like three cookies for $2. And I got one for Sam, one for me, and one for Aiden. Aiden took his cookie. We sat down on the stands. I was about to eat my cookie, and Sam was going to get his cookie. He looked at me and said, uh-uh, I get two. <laughs> and he straight ate my cookie. <laughs> um, so, so, <laughs> so, you know, um, as a parent, Lots of times I feel like we're trying to find the then that will motivate the if. Uh, what is the thing out there that will draw us into uh, to, to what really needs to be accomplished? And Isaiah, God through Isaiah does that with God's people. If we look at these sto- this, this, this passage we read in Isaiah 58, uh, both sections of Isaiah 58 are all if-then. Uh, the first section is actually two refrains. So, so Isaiah is, is, is written, it actually, uh, the sentence structures and the punctuations we put in English, they really don't do it justice. The Hebrew shouldn't be chopped up in that way. The Hebrew really should be uh, set in the refrains that we see in some of the original text. And so, uh, so the, the first refrain is verse 6 through verse 9a. It actually ch- it splits a verse, the first half of 9. And, and then it begins a second refrain from what we read was 9b on 3. 12 and when you look at those two refrains the first refrain is built if then but the if the if the ifs are all uh, rhetorical questions isn't this what you're supposed to be about and that what you're supposed to be about and this what you're supposed to be about right and 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 they all know the answer and, and God certainly knows the answer. And so everybody's on the same page with drawing up this uh, hey you know we're supposed to be about this And if we're about this, then, verse 8 and 9a, then these things will happen. And then in the the second section, it is like pure if-then statements. If, 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 then. And then everything that follows is a response to those ifs. And so 
I do want us to just really quickly see what those, uh, see what those uh, then statements are that were so motivating for the people of God through, uh, through, uh, through the prophet Isaiah. Uh, the then statements, uh, hey, in verse, in verse 8 and 9a, it says, Your light will break forth like dawn, healing spring forth. You'll have protection with a vindicator, vindicator in front, protection as your rear guard. You get to call on God. He's going to answer. You cry for help, and he says, here am I. I mean, this, this is the then that you're looking at. Light breaking forth, protection, calling on and getting a response. All of this, if you will then uh, have this outcome. That seems like a pretty sweet carrot that was just laid forth by God. Look what happens when you are obedient. Look what happens when you follow my instructions this, the second refrain, it, 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 it reprises some of it. So I guess some of it uh, God deemed as quite potent. The first one that's reprised in 10b, you'll see the then, uh, the, the then. If you have your Bibles out, I would underline circle that then because sometimes the period distracts us from the fact that everything following through the end of that refrain is dependent on that then. That then in 10b, then your light will rise in the darkness. Gloom will be like noonday. You'll get guidance from God. Uh, your needs will be satisfied and continually satisfied like constant healthy water. And, and then you'll be raised up and, and everything will be restored. So when you put all of this in context, uh, God is putting forth for, the pe for his people a very clear picture of how awesome it is if we would be obedient. If we would continue in the relationships that God has called us into, then we would have light and wholeness and restoration and healing and, and, and all things would be made new. Well, this is, this is a compelling then. Uh, the then in Hebrews, Hebrews, it, you might remember, uh, it says, offer hospitality to the stranger for some have entertained angels entertained angels without even knowing it so that's the then that's the care that's the thing that's the thing uh, what would it be to entertain angels to be able to to know that you have uh, uh, blessed the holy ones of god it, 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 that that draws forth that teaching uh, from Jesus where, where he says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. We, we, we might even entertain not just angels, but Jesus himself and not even know it. If we would, then we might have that opportunity. What's the then in the precursor to the Good Samaritan story? You know, the lawyer comes, the lawyer comes, and the then actually is what leads that entire story in Luke 10. The, the then is what the lawyer is seeking. The lawyer is seeking eternal life. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So what follows, love your neighbor, love God, uh, what follows the Good Samaritan story, all of that is tied back to this driving desire at the core of that lawyer's being that might be at the core of your being as it is mine, this heart to inherit eternal life. You, you, you see how there's this question of what is that thing that is driving you, that drives you, 
me to act on God's behalf? Well, well the action, the action is neighboring. The, the, the what it is that we're to do, I, I would broadly describe as neighboring. And, and neighboring has been a, a core value, a key principle as who we are at Covenant uh, from the beginning, not, not to mention, I would say, neighboring is, is core, central to the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. This is, this is something that, that is woven into our faith. And so if we are to take our faith seriously, then we would take neighboring seriously as well. And we might ask ourselves, what does neighboring look like? What does it include? What does it entail? Well, these three scriptures, these three passages give us an end to that as well. Uh, in, in Isaiah, we get a lot more because it's a broader, bigger passage. It talks about fighting injustice, releasing burdens, freeing the oppressed, uh, sharing food, sheltering homeless, clothing the naked, stopping the blame game, also caring for the needs, and, and, and get this, even, last but not least, being present for your family and for the family of God. Something that all too often is neglected. And so, so for Isaiah, this, this is how we begin to center our hearts and minds on what neighboring looks like. For Hebrews, it's offering hospitality. So they, brought, they broadly open up this picture of of neighboring is offering hospitality. Think of what hospitality looks like for you. It might look, so whenever we're going to have people over at the house, everybody has a job to do, amen? Like everybody in the family has to get a little bit done. Sam, all you got to do is clean your room. Addie, you got you to gotta vacuum the floors. You got you to gotta wipe down the counters. You got to wipe down the stove that didn't get wiped down since the last time we had something over, amen? Like, 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 you know, Aiden, all right, you're cleaning the toilets. Why does he get the toilets? You're taking out the trash, you're, ta you're taking out the recycling, like you're putting all this stuff. So everybody has something to do to prepare to receive people well. That's part of hospitality. And then when they get there, does, does, does Aiden stay up in his room playing Fortnite? No. Aiden, get your... And, you know, he comes downstairs and he greets them and shakes their hand, looks them in the eye. We spend time together. We dwell together. Uh, we get to, we get to uh, reminisce. We get to see what, what God's been doing in people's lives, right? We care for each other's spiritual and social needs when we offer hospitality. Now, now what does it mean for us to offer hospitality more broadly than just our homes? To live a life of hospitality. You see, um, in the story of the Good Samaritan, it, the, the question, uh, it, 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 the, the what of neighboring is pretty specific. Um, you see, he binds up his wounds. He takes them in to his own care. He watches after him and makes sure that his needs are met. It is critical in that story that this stranger's needs are met. But I think maybe the what of neighboring overwhelms us. I think sometimes we look at neighboring and we think, man, that is so much. How can that be accomplished? And some of it is because of the what, but some of it is actually the where. 
I think whenever we think about neighboring, uh, the contemporary culture that we're in thinks in a literal sense, like, like the person that lives to your left, to the right, or behind you. You know, the one behind you that makes noises and like has their, their outdoor patio stereo too loud that you get mad at and you don't like. That, that one, like, so, th- so you think of like literal neighbors. But I think in the Christian culture, if you've been in it for any period of time, uh, we, we, at some point, have broadened this idea of neighboring to everyone. Like, everyone is my neighbor. And, and while that might be literally true, I find it to be actually deflating and potentially keep you from really having focus on what's most important there. You see, if, if you were to, to understand that yes, neighboring and neighbors means everybody. But if you dug into the Good Samaritan story, you would see that it's not just everybody that that Jesus is pointing to, but specific circumstances. You see, uh, what happens there is is, uh, the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is that then? I really want eternal life. And Jesus says, well, you know the answer. And he says, yeah, I do. It's love God, love neighbor. And, and so then the lawyer feels dumb because the lawyer approached Jesus with the question that he already knew the answer to. And like lawyer to, lawyers don't like to look dumb. You don't like to look dumb. I don't like to look dumb. And so they say to, uh, the lawyer says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells a story, good Samaritan, man falls to robbers on the road to Jericho. One person passes by, another person passes by, and here's the Samaritan that's passing by and sees him and loves him and cares for his needs. And then at the end of that story, you know how Jesus concludes the story with the lawyer? The lawyer wraps, uh, Jesus wraps up the story and Jesus looks at the lawyer and Jesus looks at the lawyer and says to the lawyer, which of these was a neighbor. You see, Jesus totally removes location from the story. It's not about who's living to your left or to your right or behind you. It's, it's not about uh, thinking about everybody and figuring out how can I go to Haiti or how can I go to Costa Rica or how can I go minister in Kenya or around the world. Uh, rather, what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, I'm going to tear down these, 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 these mental blockades that you've built up about who your neighbor is. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, what do we know about the Good Samaritan and the person who was injured by robbers on the road? What we know is that the Good Samaritan was passing by. What we know is that the Good Samaritan story is a story about a man who was passing by. And so I want you to think about all of those that you pass by in your daily lives. Yes, now that means your literal neighbors, those that live next door to you, but it also means the people you see when you're in your driveway the people you see at H-E-B or Kroger, the people you see at the gas station, the people you see at your place of work, where you get your nails did. Now I have lights back. Um, where you get your hair done. It, it means literally the people you come in contact with. And for us as Christians, for us as the people of covenant, I want to know that the ministry of covenant makes a difference 
that people would notice if we weren't here. And I've come to firmly believe that if we weren't here, then we would have less healthy, less loving neighbors and neighborhoods. So my hope is that you'll take that story and that conviction to heart. That you'll be thinking, how can I make a difference in the world around me in my everyday life? I don't have to go out of my way because the Lord's already put those opportunities in my way, in my path, if I would just open my eyes to the needs around me. Love your neighbors. Love them well. And in so doing, we might inherit the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I do give you thanks for your word and for the first time in history that you ever shut down the power at Timber Creek Elementary School during the sermon. That was something. Um, But Lord, I I specifically thank you for uh, the call upon our lives uh, to be faithful and loving neighbors. Lord, I ask that you would uh, open our eyes to those needs and to those opportunities each and every day that we would be making a difference in the world around us through the grace and love in which we share. Lord, be present with us, we pray, as we continue in worship. Bless, O God, uh, our, our time of offering, our tithes and our offerings. Lord, as we give a portion of what you have given us back to the kingdom-building work of your church, Lord, we ask, O God, your blessing upon these things. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.